Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to our latest sermon, a sermon about a psalm. It will play in just a minute. Before it does, I want to let you know that we'd love to hear from you. If you have questions about something in one of our sermons, maybe you want to talk more about how it impacted you, or perhaps you just need prayer, you can simply visit creekside.me and you'll find all of the links you need to reach out to us. In fact, if you are someone who consistently listens to our sermons, but we've never connected, I'd love for you to go to creekside.me right now and just contact us to say, hi, I listened to your sermons. We'd love to be able to say hi back. Again, thanks for listening to this sermon. I hope that it will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. Uh, yeah, as Daniel said, my name is Grant. Uh, I'll share a little bit about me so we're not so strange to one another. I pastor in Vancouver. Um, I was pastoring a church plant, a site of Cross Point Baptist Church. Um, Cross Point is an area called Orchards. We started a site of our church called Cross Point West in downtown Vancouver. Uh, and similar to your story, we lost our rent due to COVID. So we moved back into mom and dad's basement and uh, had our own services at a different time at our main campus. And uh, God, for some reason, kept sending people our direction. And we were waving around rent money to anyone. And we were reaching out to bars. Uh, I don't know if any bars open on Sunday mornings, but anyone that would let us rent. Ballet studios, it's just no, no, no. And a sister church of ours, of yours as well, in Vancouver, um, was anticipating their pastor retiring and the potential of maybe closing their doors. So they reached out to our church plant and uh, said, would you consider merging with us and kind of taking the lead. Uh, and God really blessed it, and in uh, March of this past year, uh, unanimously voted on both sides to become something new. About a month ago, we officially became New Life Church. <laughs> so hey, welcome to your new church. No. Uh, I can't get away from you guys. I preached out of Luke to New Life this morning, and now I'm preaching out of the Psalms this afternoon. I just got to say it, Chad, if you ever watch this, why didn't you call it Come Get Psalm? That was the perfect sermon title for the series. Come on. Oh, well. But I'm grateful to be with you uh, this afternoon, not this morning. Uh, I want to start off our time having you think about your past. All of us have um, a timeline of our lives, and we all have very significant changes uh, that have happened throughout our lives, both good and bad. I mean, just refer to one in the life of our church of COVID. It affected you guys. I think we'll always remember March of 2020. Uh, we were actually supposed to visit your church uh, the Sunday of the lockdown back in March of 2020. At that time, the church plant that I pastored was moving from Friday nights to Sunday morning on Easter Sunday of March of 2020, and you guys were killing it. <laughs> and so I bugged Chad, let me see what you do. Let me bring a team uh, to just get better and better as we transition to Sunday mornings. Our lives will be different. When we think about our past, we'll think, was that before or after 2020? The world changed. Uh, September 11th, 2001. That changed a lot of our lives. We have all these significant markers from our past, both good and bad. We can write down a timeline of our past uh, and remember significant things that God either led us through or led us to, depending on your perspective, and they affect who we are now. If I were to write down all the positive ones for me, I'm a military kid. So all of the good ones were when my dad got stationed somewhere else in the Marine Corps. It helps that we were in Quantico, Virginia for six years, and then Kailua, Hawaii for nine. <laughs> that makes it pretty positive. I remember, uh, man, a huge one for me is obviously my marriage to my wife, Erica. 
and the birth of our two daughters. Really significant times in my past. Significant family vacations have become meaningful, um, especially since having the kids. But of course, we have rough times. I think of my parents' divorce. I think about motorcycle accident uh, that I had. Um, there's some hard times that God brings us through. And we could be on one side of this spectrum. I think everything, there's, there's a spectrum. Uh, and I think there's a divine medium for almost anything that we might face in life. Uh, but people, at least in my congregation, and myself included, I'm sure for a lot of you, fall on this spectrum. That there are some of us who acknowledge God in good times, and when times are not good, we strive to get back to times of thriving, and then we'll acknowledge God again. So we see God in the good, and we hustle and strive in the bad. And the opposite side of that spectrum would be people who rely heavily upon the Lord when times are bad, but when times are good, they don't acknowledge him. They don't acknowledge his working and then stay mindful of the Lord, which is a challenge. And for transparency, I tend to fall on the side that depends on God in hard times and not be so mindful of him when times are good. When times are hard, I say, God, I need you. Please show up. I don't see a way out. When times are good, my prayer time is less dependent, admittedly, uh, and I just don't acknowledge my need for God as much as I ought to. Uh, I took a class at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, where I met my wife. Uh, We took a class in early American literature, and it was really fascinating. This is kind of the history of our country, where I land as well. The first several generations of European settlers here in the U.S. heavily relied upon God. They had strange diseases. They didn't know how to thrive in this new land in which they found themselves. God was everywhere in early American literature. Several generations later, when establishments for sin uh, are thriving and when we're thriving in general as Europeans on this continent, God uh, starts to disappear from literature. Less mindful of their need for the Lord in good times. There's a worship song by a former classmate of mine at Moody. Uh, his name is John Guerra, but the song is called I Will Follow. And he has uh, the first verse I find really challenging, thinking about this idea that I personally don't acknowledge God in good times, but I desperately rely on him in, in hard times. The first verse is, even in the storms, I'll follow you. He has another one, even in the want, I'll follow you. Even in my death, I'll follow you. But then the challenging one for me is, even in the good, I'll follow you. We will follow God whether times are good or bad. That's a challenging notion. Now, Chad asked me to share a message with you today, and it makes a lot more sense after what Daniel shared, because I first said, 23. He said, sorry, it's taken. I was like, how can that be taken? This is your last Sunday in the Psalms. Gee, thanks. So I said, how about 46? Nope, taken. Okay. Today we'll be in Psalm 71. Psalm 71 is an anonymous psalm. We don't know who wrote it, but it feels like a psalm of David's, especially in the time when his son Absalom was trying to kill him, when his own son was seeking his life. So this would be a bad time of this psalmist if that was truly a psalm of David. And it's challenging. It's challenging because we do not know the context, and often if we don't know the context, we don't know if it's a similar context to our own, so therefore we don't know if it can apply to us. But what's fascinating about this one is we all face hard times. We all face good times. And we can learn today that we can trust God in either 
And we can learn today that by remembering God's deliverance in our past, and this is our main point today, if we remember God's deliverance in our past, we can trust him in our present and in our future. Remembering God's deliverance in our past allows us to trust him in our present and in our future. Psalm 71 verse 1 reads this, In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And thank you for everything that you have given us. Lord, thank you for the good times. It's significant for us to remember you and that you bless us with good times, times of thriving, times of success. Help us be mindful of them. Lord, thank you, as odd as it sounds, thank you for the hard times that we face. Lord, help us be mindful of you Help us remember our past and what you've done for us. Let it inform our present that we can trust you. We don't have to thrive on our own or trying to get us ourselves out of our own issues. Lord, you're in the midst of our troubles with us. Lord, and we can trust you for our future as well. But Lord, make us mindful of what you've done in our past so we can trust you in our present and trust you in our future. God, we love you and we want to be more like you in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 71 starts interestingly. The first verse starts with the author's reality that I want to encourage us with today. He says, In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Not will I take refuge, but in you do I take refuge. That is his position. It's fixed. It is set. He is not looking for somewhere to place his trust. He knows where to place his trust for reasons that we will soon see. Then he immediately gets into a request that he's going to make a God uh, of God. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress." God is this author's reality. The author bluntly tells God to deliver them, rescue them, be a place of refuge to them, and incline God's ear to them. The inclination of God's ear is very similar to Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2, which says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. Church, we serve a God who stoops. God inclines his ear to us. We just wrapped up our series in Luke today. Uh, Last week we celebrated that the curtain was torn. We have full access to God at any moment of any day. And not only that, our God doesn't just tolerate hearing from us. And not only do we have the ability to talk to him anytime, praise the Lord for that, he inclines his ear to us. The idea here is that of a parent stooping down to listen to their child on their level. When our daughters are crying, they don't want to talk up to us. They want to talk to us. (laughs) So we get down. 
that is exactly how God inclines himself to the psalmists. That's what Jesus does for us. Think about the incarnation. Jesus put on flesh and dwelt among us. I know Chad, he's one of my quirky friends. You guys do tabernacle, right? You celebrate the Feast of Tabernacle and recognize certain high holy holidays. That's the point. Jesus tabernacles among us. He inclines his ear to us. This is how our God listens to us. This psalmist is aware of that. We serve the God that stoops. And then he concludes with that stanza, you are my rock and my fortress. His position is set, he trusts God, and he's acknowledging God is his rock and God is his fortress. And we know that because he's going to remember God's deliverance in his past and trust him in his present and in his future. The psalmist knows who God is and what God is capable of doing on his behalf. And what's really challenging to me is he is mindful of it. I rely on God when I need him. When times are good, I don't acknowledge him. This psalmist is continuously mindful of God. How often do we ask God to act in our lives in a panic and also forget what he's already done in our lives, the things he's presently uh, or already previously led us through? The next verse of the psalm continues in verse 4. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth, and you are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. He continues his request of deliverance, for issues that we're not privy to. But in verse 5, he starts remembering the bullet points of his life. He is mindful of what God has led him through. He remembers that God was good to him in his youth. Even before he was born, we don't know the circumstances of his birth, necessarily. If it was David, we have a glimpse, right? And think about your youth, all the dumb things that you did that God delivered you from. He is mindful Verse 5, for you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. I love this idea. This is an analogy I use all the time in the fact that our churches are still coming together to become New Life Church. We're still learning to trust one another. I don't know who I can fully lean on for certain aspects of our ministry that we're forming yet. We're learning to lean upon one another. This psalmist knows he can lean upon God. God is his sure foundation. And I love, again, this writer's reality is the Lord. He is ever mindful of God and acknowledges his presence in his entire life story. If I'm honest, I can recognize God when I needed him for my story. Unless I'm incredibly mindful, it's hard for me to connect God with every moment. Because again, I know when I need God. And when I feel like I'm thriving, I become less mindful of God. One of the concepts that I really enjoy is the idea that God's will is largely determined in retrospect when we actually take the time and reflect on our life and look back. Often we can sit on our hands and ask God, Lord, what is your will? I'll obey you. And I'll say, look at my will. Look what I've done in your life. I do not mean to bring Garth Brooks into this, but in the Portland metro area, you guys are in the south, okay? This is like your music, right? No. Garth Brooks has a song called Unanswered Prayers. I don't like the fact that my dad made me listen to this in his Bronco as a kid, and I, I'm ashamed that I know the lyrics. 
please don't test me because I'll oblige. But how many things in your life have you prayed for that God didn't give you? Praise the Lord. When you look back at the story of your life so far, you see how God worked. You see his hand in things. Guys, I'm really excited for you. I was stoked to hear your announcement that you guys are going to go back to the school. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he's done some wonderful and amazing things in your congregation in the last two years while you've been here. Things I'm sure that you'll be reaping the benefits from for years to come. I'm sure in this room... With those of you in this room right now, Chad's going to be full of illustrations of God has, how, how God has used you to set up your church for what you will do in the future. From the future, looking backwards. That's how God's will is often determined. By remembering God's deliverance in our past, we can trust him in our present and our future. And the psalmist did just that and had confidence to invoke God's involvement in his present circumstances. Verse 7, I have been as uh, as important to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled. Look at the tenses. They're all present at this point. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of my old age, now looking toward the future. Forsake me not when my strength is spent, for my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. Verse 9, do not cast me off in the time of my old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. The psalmist has trusted the Lord and acknowledged God from his birth through his youth into adulthood and plans on staying faithful in his relationship with the Lord well until his later years. Now, as you can imagine, the church plant was much younger than the existing church with whom we merged. Uh, there's a phrase, be careful what you wish for. Uh, A pastor friend of mine said, be careful what you pray for. (laughs) I started praying for this group of 20 and 30-somethings that we had. Lord, send us some people from previous generations. I need to see what it looks like to love the Lord and love my wife and love kids as they get older. And boy, did God answer that prayer request. (laughs) I now have a very clear picture of what it looks like to serve the Lord in the next step of my life, in the next stage of my life. It's a blessing to have people in a multi-generational church like this room. This is a great demographic. This is beautiful. I would be a part of this church if I lived in the South, which I don't. (laughs) This is so needed. Although this psalmist is invoking God to act on his behalf in his present circumstances, he's implying that he's going to remain steadfast and faithful in his relationship with the Lord in his final years because he's built trust with the Lord throughout his entire life thus far. He can do so because by remembering God's deliverance in our past, we can trust him in our present and in our future. And for this author, not only did he internalize this truth, but he shared this truth with the world around him. He became evangelistic. Verse 12, O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed. With scorn and disgrace, may they be covered who seek my hurt but I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remember them, uh, excuse me, remember them, remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. When we acknowledge that God has delivered us in our past, and we have confidence in him in the present and for the future, 
It becomes evident to others because we cannot help but contain it. Or, uh, we cannot contain it. We cannot help but to share our confidence with others. Like the psalmist, we praise the Lord more and more. Our mouths tell of his righteous acts. I had this incredibly annoying friend, I'm sure you have many as well, where I would say, Ernie, how are you? He would say what Dave Ramsey always says, better than I deserve. And he would talk about Jesus. Like, right, Ernie, but how are you? Okay, come on. He couldn't help but hold it, uh, he couldn't hold it back. He had to get it out. He was so intentionally mindful of the Lord's acting in his life that my buddy Ernie had to tell everyone. This psalmist was so mindful of God's deliverance in the past, even though he was facing uh, difficulties in his present, that he was very vocal about his praise of the Lord and his trust in the Lord. Next Sunday, I will be very jealous of your service time because it's Bears season. It's not the NFL season. The Bears season starts on Sunday, and they play at 10 o'clock. And if I was pastoring your church, I could watch the whole game before service. The Bears will be on my mind. The best year I've never lived is 1985, the last time the Bears won a uh, Super Bowl, which, by the way, only the Packers have more championships than the Bears. Just putting it out there. But what I'm excited about comes out of me. It doesn't take long, if you're a friend or encounter me on the street, to find out that I'm a Bears fan. What I'm excited about just comes out. What you're excited about will just come out. When you get talking in the lobby, the conversation I heard before service, what you're excited about comes out of you. Is our gospel fluency so much that it just comes out of us? Is our mindfulness of the Lord and what he's delivered us through in our past so present in our mindset that it just comes out? That's not always the case for me. I wish it were but I'm working on it, and I'm encouraging you to work on it. Because by remembering the Lord's deliverance in our past and by being mindful of it, we can trust him in our present and in our future. And then it's like the psalmist goes on a praise rant with the last verses, summarizing what he stated about remembering God in his, every phase of his life thus far and make, uh, taking a moment to praise God for who God is. Verse 17, O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me, until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You have done great things. O God, who is like you? You have made me. And you have made me see many troubles and calamities. You will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. I will also praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed. And my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long. For they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. By remembering God's deliverance in our past, we can trust him in our present and our future. I just want you to be mindful today. I requested Daniel lead us in that song because I really like it. <laughs> Chat texted you, I'm assuming, about that. Yeah. The last song that we sang, All My Life, You Have Been Faithful. All my life, you've been so, so good. Be mindful of God's deliverance in your past. 
this world is crazy. That goes without saying, although I just said something about it. (laughs) What can we trust in this world? It seems like there's not much that is trustworthy in our world. I have a microphone on my cheek. (laughs) Just be mindful of your past. Look what God has led you through. It's incredible. I don't know if anyone, I've never met anyone who's walked with the Lord for any period of time. Right now, we have some baby believers in our church. It's so exciting to hang out with them because God is quite literally on their mind all the time. They're so pumped up and they're saying ignorant things, but it's so excited because they're so cute and they don't know and it's just so cute. I love it. And even in their life, I mean, God has delivered them. They feel the sense of freedom. It's new to them. Someone once challenged me, one of the youth, when I was a youth pastor at our church, that it's called the good news, right? But often, we treat it like it's the good olds. We don't remind ourselves of God's goodness. The gospel, I mean, once you're saved, you're saved. Christ died once and for all. But by reminding ourselves of the gospel, by reminding ourselves how often the gospel has made a difference in our life, by reminding ourselves how many times that God has acted in our past, the gospel seems like good news, It informs our present because we know who we can trust when we face hard times. It it informs us that when we're in good times, we can be more mindful of who God is and sing his praises and become evangelistic about our life. Because what's on our minds just comes out. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I want to close with this. Just close your eyes. And think about your life the timeline of your life, all the significant things, both good and bad, that have happened to you. Just be mindful. Be mindful of the ways that God has worked in your past. Now take a moment to talk to the Lord about what you're currently dealing with, good or bad. Maybe take a second to say, Lord, I, I'm, I'm trusting you with my present. I'm sorry that I didn't let my past inform my present. God, thank you so much for everything that you have led us through. Lord, I thank you for all of the major markers in my life's timeline. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for all the significant changes that have happened over the last several years. Lord, they might not all seem good, but Lord, we definitely see your hand in them. And we're still here now praising you. Lord, your gospel still has power in our lives. And it's still changing lives. So Lord, please, I'm asking you to continuously remind us of your goodness from our past. And allow our past to inform our present. Help us have trust in you in our present. When we face tough times, we have challenges and people are are, are slandering our name or questioning uh, our motives or Lord, we're having difficulties uh, being persecuted for your namesake, whatever the case may be. We're struggling to see your will, perhaps. 
Lord, help us have confidence in who you are because you've acted already in our past. Help us see that and be mindful of that. Lord, just like the psalmist who was facing a difficult circumstance, help us be evangelistic in our hard, hard times, remembering who you are and what you've done for us. Because you have been good. You have been faithful. We've seen you move. We'll see you move again. So, Lord, help us trust you in our present. Lord, help us trust you in our future. We love you and we want to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.